excited about what God's doing in this time. He's been stirring people to pray. Uh, he's been been having some conversations with some folks. They're just like, man, I really am excited, but I just feel like I don't know how to pray. I feel like I'm, I'm a failure at praying. Uh, and I, and let, let's start right there because there's some of you that you're not good at praying and you don't have a very healthy prayer life with God. Um, but if, if you assume that you're the one that has to fix it and do a good prayer life, you're mistaken, because then that's still a works-type-based worldview in, in Christianity. Um, what prayer really is supposed to be is it's supposed to be, first and foremost, a thing of surrender to where we're going to God and just saying, God, I'm not in control, and I cannot do it, so therefore, Lord, would you just un- unleash upon me and unleash around the people around me and around my world what is going to be the best thing for this world, what will bring you the most glory. And that is something that, that, though that's strategic, that's not your works. You're really saying, God, let it be. You know, may you, would you do your stuff? Um, the verse that I've challenged you all to memorize as we go through this, this time where we're anchoring on prayer before we jump back into Genesis at Genesis 19 is James 4.8, um, which says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. And how many of you guys, you think, man, I, I, I got it. I think I've got that now. You got, you got it down, draw near to God, and, I'll, and He'll draw near to you. How many? You guys think you got it? All right, good. Uh, repeat this after me. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Okay, so that's, that's, not, that's, not, a con, that's not a thing where it, if you draw near to God, 56% of the time God will show up. It's a promise. And it's not a promise of, of I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm trying to encourage you and, and, and trying to make you feel better by saying something that works most of the time. It's something from God. God is saying, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Um, and I don't want to rehash things back there, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's important for you to begin there and just saying, all right, God, I trust you. And even if I don't feel it, even even if I'm praying and I'm drawing near to you and my life's in shambles, I'm just trusting that God, that as I submit to you, that you're you're near me. You're bringing yourself in your presence. You're bringing protection. You're bringing provision into my life. And I'm just going to trust that in faith. And God, show me where I can see it, but where I can't see it, let me be okay with that. There's even one element of, of the Christian life uh, that, that, uh, that, that somebody said, and I think even a country song got written about it, as much as I love country, um, that thank God, thank, thank God for unanswered prayers. And, 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 uh, or um, even an old, old uh, song back in the 80s you know, that, you know, that talked about you know, the, the things that God does for us that we never even know about. You know, God deserves praise and glory for the stuff that, that we don't even have a clue about. Drawing near to God is, is like, a, it's like a great date. Um, you don't want to rush it. How many of y'all, you've been, you've been on a great date or, or, or just you're at, a, you're at a, a ball game and things are going great for your team or you're in the middle of a movie 
you know that movie runs, you know, 96 minutes, and you kind of look at your clock, and like, oh, no, just 15 more minutes. They're about to wrap it up. And, and, and you're just, you just know it's coming to an end. You know, you know it's like the, the date's got to be, I mean, you know, you're back in high school, and the, and the dad's like, you have my daughter back in by 930, or I'm coming after you. You know, and, and so you're like, no, we just have like 45 minutes before we have to be back at the front door. And, and you, you don't want it to end. Well, for some of you, that's not your experience with prayer. Um, there's big breakthroughs that happened in my life uh, a few years ago, actually a couple of decades ago. Um, although I, I, I slip at times and come back to some old ways where you analyze, you look, and it's like, man, you pray about, you get about five minutes in, and, and you've exhausted yourself of all the things, all of the topics that you're supposed to throw at God. And you're like, oh man, next time in small group, I need to write down more things. Maybe I can extend it to eight and a half minutes. You know? Because all you know, all you know to do is just to tell God about what's going on and to ask Him, and to ask Him for, for uh, ask Him for, to do things. Um, drawing near to God in, in prayer, though, is, is it is like being with someone that you love where you want to you breathe it, you want to embrace it, you want to enjoy it, you want to savor it. Your senses should come alive as a result of this time with that person or time with God to where all of a sudden your senses of sight and smell and taste and hearing and touch, all of those things just get heightened as a result of that time. Um, I do want to uh, clarify something to you. Um, I, wanna, I want you to know that prayer is not God's part of, of the issue. Prayer, prayer is not two-way. Prayer, prayer should end up in something that is two-way. But prayer is not God's part um, God, prayer is not, I mean, God is not praying when he, when he illuminates or when He reveals things to you. When He gives direction and guidance, God is not praying. Um, God is responding. And that's vital and it's very important. Prayer is about you. And it's something by your volition, by your choice, that you do or you don't do. You engage or you don't engage. And so... It's, it's your part, and it starts by saying, I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to draw near to God knowing that I can't do things on my own. That's the only reason why, why a person really does draw near to God is because there's something that they cannot do. There's something they cannot accomplish. Now, prayer can be very selfish, and it can be very shallow to where all you're looking for is for God to fill up your pockets. Or you're just looking for Him to clear the path in front of you. Or you're looking for protection. You're looking for healing in your life. Those are things we are to go to God for. We're going to see that as we really get deeper into the Lord's Prayer. But, um, but it can be very selfish. And it's, it's not supposed to be. But if you draw near to Him, He responds. He will draw near to you. Um, I'm going to tell you a little story about me in, in college. Um, this is where it came alive for me. And I know there's some, some students that are in here even now, and if, even if you're not in college yet, you know, this can be very a- applicable to you. And even if you never went to college or you're 
uh, 100 years past college. You know, this can be very applicable. But, in, but God made the Lord's Prayer alive for me. I, I did not grow up uh, in a church that was litur- liturgical to where we prayed through or recited the Lord's Prayer. Um, in fact, I, I knew of people who did, and I was just like, I, I looked down on them. I was just like, well, they're, they're just kind of rote and ritualistic, and, you know, they've got that memorized, and they just kind of zip, get through it in about 38 seconds, and they're done. They're done with the Lord's Prayer. Or if they may, may all right, I'm going to pray it 10 times in a row, you know, so you can get it done in about three minutes. Um, but I, I, I was challenged. I was challenged to learn the Lord's Prayer and, and started doing some research and had some teaching in my life about it to where I, I got to a point where for about a year and a half, in, uh, you know, in the middle of my college years, I prayed for over an hour a day, about five days a week, with the Lord's Prayer as my model. And, and that is a, a legitimate name for the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. Um, as we got into last week, the very last words, you know, after they had said, they had said to him, you know, Lord, teach us to pray. And, and, uh, and in the Luke passage, Luke 11, and then he ended up saying, pray like this. And where we are in Matthew, uh, in Matthew chapter 6, where he is teaching uh, thousands of people, and he tells them for, for them to pray, to pray like this. And, and again, going back to my college days, that was back in the time where, I mean, I couldn't get past about five or six minutes because I would quickly exhaust my list and the things that I'm supposed to shoot up to God like arrows. I'd, I'd open up in prayer and I'd be stumped pretty quickly. I was very much like the disciples as Matthew described them the night that Jesus was arrested and taken to be crucified. Um, follow me in Matthew 26 for a moment. And I just want to read you about six verses that, that paint a picture of how we are a lot. So this is, this is right. Jesus is in the middle of Gethsemane. He knows what's coming. He knows He's coming to the hardest point in all of His eternity. And I don't even quite get that. He was at the apex of His, God's own personal pain and suffering. Verse 36 of Matthew 26, Then Jesus went to them to a place called Gethsemane, and He said to His disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, listen to this, what he, what he told, told these three. He said, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Jesus is saying, look, this is you know, the pinnacle of suffering. And my, my father's about to pour all of his wrath Upon me, excuse me, not all of his wrath, all the wrath that be placed, that would be placed upon all the sinners that would be saved by grace, every bit of that wrath was going to be placed upon Jesus. Something that he'd never experienced, and that he even in this in this time was just like, God, I don't, you know, if if we could do it a different way, I'd I would do it a different way. And that's very telling. And so he's saying to the, uh, not, just, not just the 12, but it's kind of like the inner circle. It's like, now guys, listen. I mean, I am at my lowest point. 
I'm at my hardest point. I need you to stand with me. I need you to watch with me. Remain here. And 39 says, going a little further. So he went away from them, fell on his face, and prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And, and what you'll see, even in this portion of prayer, I'm not gonna, we're not going to spend our time you know, in, in, this, in this passage the whole time, but boy, we could. Because you'll see that there, there are similarities to where it's like God, Jesus has credibility because some of the things He says in the model prayer, it's showing right here, He's praying some of these things. So, so the model prayer really is a thing where He's saying, he's saying to us, this is what I've been praying all of my days. I, I have been praying this to my own dad, to my own father. Um, and he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Okay, so that means that it had been an hour that he left. That just that one point of him going before the Father and wrestling with him just on that point of if it could be possible, let this pass. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And there's just some great things to be learned in there of we need to spend time of pouring ourselves and just being authentic, saying, God, this is where I'm at, and this is what I see, and, and I, don't, I know I don't see like you do, and my heart doesn't beat like yours. I want to see what you see. I want my heart beat to beat is yours. I want you to reveal what's on your heart. But as for now, until you do that, God, here's where I am. And this is what I think. And so here it is, Lord. And you toil, you toil and you wrestle. And at some point, and Jesus already knew the heart of His Father. He was perfect. Totally aligned with God. Um, us, we, we have the flesh that we deal with. And so it, it takes a while of wrestling and toiling. In fact, it's not just a moment of minutes, but truly months and years processing this to where we get to a point where and we seek God, we wrestle with Him, here's where I am, and God reveals. There's a revelation point between there's your eyes and heart and mind, Dave, and here's my eyes, heart, and mind. And Jesus responded here and it's like, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You know? And, and again, it wasn't a thing where it took a long time for, for it to be revealed to Jesus, but he was, he still he walked through that. He was very honest with his God. And, um, and so he, he says, could you, could you not watch with me one hour? You know? It's like, this is, it's like, this is it, guys. This is game day. And this is everything, everything that's been planned. Everything has been pointing to these next few days. These next few hours. It's like, really? Could you not be focused enough even for an hour? And he, he responded further. He says, watch and pray that you don't enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and he prayed. And part of what was revealed here in that prayer, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Now this is Jesus. It was already established. He already he'd already knew what needed to be done. I mean, this is why he came anyway. But even Jesus, he's pouring out, he's pouring out the pain and the, the heart, the heartbeat of ah. This is this is where I am. This is rough. But Je- but Father, may your will be done. 
And, and we're gonna, you're going to see more of this next week when we talk about kingdom come and your will be done. It says, then, and again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he didn't even wake them this time. Uh, leaving them again, he went away, prayed for a third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and he said to them, sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And, and I, I present to you that this, this season, this, this, this incredible point in, in the history of eternity, that Jesus is like, my disciples, you've got to stay awake You've you got you to gotta be with me. It's not just about the cross and the resurrection. It's like until He comes again. It's like there's this tension where Jesus is saying, you can't afford to sleep. Sleep when you're dead. It's not time for you, for you to just relax and take comfort. This is not a comfortable time. The hour is at hand. The hour from from that point all the way until the second coming of Jesus, Jesus come. I mean, I, the, they were asleep. And I, I saw a quote, strangely, this morning. Uh, I mean, I, I don't go to Facebook on, on Sunday mornings normally because I'm trying to stay focused. And I looked at, I looked at somebody's, somebody's page that, you know, they're not even a Christian. And, and you know, they just, we just, I just ended up there this morning just kind of checking in, seeing how this, this friend was doing. And the quote that they put, put on, on, on something a few days ago, um, it said, uh, if there were no bumps in the road, I will fall asleep at the wheel. And I was like, golly, that's, that's relevant. You know? But, but it, the thing is, is that, I mean, the road is incredibly bumpy. And, and we have a, but we have a, a tendency to respond to the human condition by, by trying to escape from it, or, or maybe we try to live in a denial of it, or, or maybe we try to ignore it by, by trying to separate ourselves from it, or, or we join into the mayhem of the human condition. And all of these call us to, cause us to fall asleep at the wheel of God's mission. So disciples, they weren't the only ones that were falling asleep at a very inopportune time. It speaks to me. It speaks to you. There are times when we just fall asleep at the wheel of, at the hour, the hour of God and what He's doing. I, I think that if, if we see things just through our eyes and how our perspective on things, we get apathetic. But if we see through Jesus' eyes, our hearts are pricked and we wrestle with God about the human condition, and about what God is doing to bring redemption or change to this world. And I, I want to challenge you. Decide now. Right now. Right this minute. Right this second. Decide and say, I do not want to be asleep at the wheel of God's mission anymore. And present that before the Lord. and Say, God, help me. Help me not to be asleep at the wheel of your mission. Help me to not have my blinders on Help me not to seek comfort, but help me to seek you and what you're doing 
Um, and then you need to give the keys to your life to others uh, that are, encourage you, but they'll also call you out when you're falling asleep at the wheel. You say, you're falling asleep. You need to wake up. The Lord's Prayer is um, it's a model prayer. Uh, I've heard it said by a couple of different teachers that it's, it's kind of like a circuit, a circuit training. Uh, it's, it's like a track that you can get on. And it's, you, know, you, can, you can take as long as you want running the track. Or you can go, you can go through the track, and if, you, if, you, if you're so led, you can actually go for another lap. And, and notice that, strangely enough, things on the track don't look quite the same on the second lap. It's also something where you can, you can jump in and something happens, you know, and it's like you've got to jump off the track, you've got to go, you go to work, you've got to go do something. You can stop at that point in the track and you can pick back up where you left off. Because there's, there's a model that's to it. They're, they're anchor points by which Jesus is he's saying, look, stop for a while. Stop. And stay for a while. And when we're done, I'm telling you, when we're done with this, you'll be able to, you'll be able to pray for an hour or 90 minutes or two hours or really as long as the time you, you feel led or desire to give to it. You'll be able to just continue on. There won't be anything that says, ah, i got to stop unless God just says it's time to stop. And it's okay. You know? It's not a thing where if you don't pray for an hour, that you know that you're in sin. You know, but it's the thing where it's like you can follow the Lord, and and He will reveal things to it. So, um, I, I'm 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 just excited. I, my prayer is, man, God, if there's just one person that that gets it like you gave it to me when when I was in college, you know, and they start digging deep. Um, so let's dig. Let's dig deep. Let's let's get into it. Um, we're in Matthew 6. I'm going to read it to you from the New American Standard. Um, pray then like, like this, Jesus said. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. and Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So, let's dissect this thing. We're going to take a few weeks and we're going to look at these anchor points. And God's going to give you some spiritual tipping points uh, as, we, as we press forward. Let's start with the word hour in the English here. Um, if you look at this Matthew 6 story, there's something very interesting that's, that's going on here. In fact, uh, let, me, let me back you up. Um, Matthew 6, starting in verse 5, I'll just read through you. And I want you to listen. I want you to listen to how many times the word you or our is used in here. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street so that they may be seen by men. Tr truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, 
Go into your inner room. Close your door and pray to your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others with their tr- for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. I, I mentioned this last week, but I wanted to, I wanted to just take it a, to a little bit deeper level. Because you've got you, you've got our, and you've got us in there. And, and surely in, in our and us, you know in English that that's plural. When you see the word you or your, you're not, you're not completely sure un, until you look at the context of what somebody's saying, if it's talking singular or if it's talking plural. And what's amazing, if you could look at the Greek, the original language here, you would see that verses 5... And verse 7 through 15 here, every time you, obviously our and us, when those are given, those are plural. Verse 6, though, when you is told, it's a singular word. It's a singular word. What's the point today? What is it that that God's up to and, and, and saying this. What was, why did Jesus say this? It's because people tend to go one way or the other, if any way at all, when it comes to prayer. Many people, the only time they really pray is with people or in front of people. Others, and be the majority of people, they really only pray when they're alone. And Jesus is like, Stop the either or. This is a both and situation. You are to pray alone. And we talked about that last week. Check it out in teaching uh, if, if you need to, to unpack that more. And so absolutely spend time alone. But the majority of this, and even when it comes to the Lord's Prayer itself, it's a plural. We're saying this is what you need to be doing. How you need to be praying together. Um, not just not just by yourself, um, guys. God is not interested in your comforts, but He's interested in your confirmation to Jesus. He wants to get you out of your comfort zone. That means you introverts. He wants you to take some strategic steps to where you pray with people out loud at times. That you pray with people. This is all over Scripture. All over Acts. About what happened when people came and they prayed together. You, you extroverts, especially you know for the times in which you just like to pray to make something big of yourself, you need to pray alone as well. God wants there to be health in both of those situations. We are to live life together by praying life together. Um, the, the word hour, though, as we begin, it's to remind you, because even if you are alone, 
You can pray. I, certainly my Father is hidden, is included within our Father. And so when you pray this prayer and when you're praying alone, pray my Father. Pray like that. But don't forget to pray our Father even when you're alone. Because God did not call you into Christianity to be a lone ranger. He didn't call you in because He just has a wonderful plan for your life. He called you to Christ because there's a wonderful plan for His church and for His world. And so He calls you into community. And community's scary. In community, you've got to let your guard down. You've got to let people in. And they see your weaknesses. It's very, it's very disconcerting at times. But when you're praying, you're praying our, you're praying with a solidarity. You're not just praying our, I mean, you should pray our, as far as, man, our small group. And, and God, and our church, our congregation. Or you may even say, God, our church that's alive in the planet earth right now. And a solidarity. You can even pray an hour that, that, has, that has a connection point to all of the, all of the children of God that, that have lived before us in history past. And strangely enough, in a way that defies, defies physics, there's a solidarity with all Christians that will live past you if, if, if Jesus doesn't come back before then. There's an amazing connection that He, that he does. I mean, when we, when we come forward and we have communion together, this is our communion. This is our testimony of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that we do together. Now, does that mean there's something wrong if you go to a corner and it's just you and God? No, there's nothing wrong with that. If God leads you to take communion alone, that's okay. But do know that the default mechanism is this is a statement of our when we have communion together. And, and, and if, even if you're in here and you're like, well, I'm a, I'm a guest, I'm a visitor, I'm a Christian, but I mean, am I okay? Yes, we, we, we have an open table. If you're, a, if you're one that, that you've surrendered to Jesus Christ, you've, you've been born again, and, and um, you don't have to uh, be a sojourner uh, necessarily. Come and celebrate Jesus together. So our, but, but let's, let's, go, let's go past the first word. Our Father. Let's talk about this. Um, I, I, there, there were sometimes my exposure to prayer were by some people that either they were incredible theologians or they wanted people to think that they were incredible theologians by the way they prayed and by the words that they used. And it was very high uh, and they used theological terms that I didn't understand in their prayers. And, and it, really, it really was it was very stiff. Uh, it, was, it was very separated um, from God. Now, 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 let me say something. Um, there are times that we are to pray and we should be, we should have a sense, almost a, a stiffness about us because it's like an alertness. It's almost like a, you know, this, this to the king of the universe. You know, it's like we're, we're saluting, we're great, great reverence, which we're going to get to when we talk about his names in just a few moments, to where, to where we're not just like, yeah, 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 Jesus, he's my homeboy, you know. And, uh, you know, it, it's, not, it's not just a lax thing where we lower our respect for Him. There is a time. I mean, it, some, you know, there's times in which when you're worshiping together, there are times in which, which you probably just need to stand straight up and, and almost, almost like at, a, at attention. Maybe nobody would ever notice. 
But you may want to try this. Maybe just kind of go, you know, like the military would do where you put your hands behind you and just, you know, just, I got information. It's like, man, the general's in the house. The general's in the house and I'm respecting him like this. Um, uh, there's sometimes in which that because the king is in the house that you need to hit your knee. And you may think, well, what, are, what would others think? Or I don't want to cause attention, draw attention to myself. It's like, don't worry about don't, don't do it because you cause attention to yourself. Don't do it for that. But also don't let it, that anybody might see you kneeling keep you from kneeling. If Jesus is saying, kneel before me. Show me reverence. And you kneel before your king. And, and there's some times in which, which uh, I, I mean, you just may, you just may you know, you raise your hands, hands up like this in just such an open position just to say, I'm very needy. I'm very needy. And I just pray that you... you uh, you just give and pour out yourself. There's other times in which it's almost like, you know, you know somebody says, you know, stick them up and surrenders, surrenders this. And I mean, you, you may just need to be doing, be doing this or just, you know, to where it's just reminding you of like, man, I, I surrender. I, I, my palms are, are out. I'm not thinking of get, receiving, but just a thing of saying, God, I, I just, I surrender, I surrender to you. You know, so, so there's, but there's, there's times, there's times of just, where, where God will lead you in different forms of just resting. Other times, man, God just may just say, you know what, just sit down. Just sit down. And, and you don't even have to sing right now. Just soak it in because I'm with you, you know. I, I am the one who loves you, and, and I, I'm not only the creator God, but I'm, I'm your friend. And it's just, but, you, but the only way you're going to know this is if when you go further in understanding him, which we're going to get into as far as his names. But it starts out that our Father... Um, that name, even though it's our, in English, it's, we, we say Father, it would be most relevant to our understanding to take the context of it if it actually said Our Daddy. Our Daddy. Or, uh, you know, because it was a term that small children called their, their fathers, you know, uh, the Jews. As they said... You know, there was their daddy term. It's not just, not even necessarily dad, dad, like, I, you know, I mean, I don't call, I mean, I'm, I'm a man. I don't call my dad daddy, you know. And some of y'all, you call your daddy Diddy. You know, that's just a whole other section of the South. But, um, uh, but uh, yeah, you represent, right? But um, it's, it is a thing where he said it's a, it's a thing like children going before before them and and the the concept here as he begins the prayer because we're going to get into the high and lofty and how incredible and how revered that you are but it starts off as a little one coming and saying daddy my little girl zoe I mean, i love i love all my kids i love my boys i mean i love wrestling with them and zoe likes wrestling too but you can be rough rough with your boys and it's just wonderful, and there's bruises, and I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's great. Um, you're more tender, you're more delicate with, with your girls. And um, when she comes to me, like we came in last night, um, uh, Johnny Kristen Osborne and Danielle and myself went uh, to Macon, Georgia to, to serve uh, at an at a Acts 29 conference there and, um, for the weekend. And as we came back, when we hadn't seen them since Friday morning, and and uh, you know, I always wonder what it's going to be like. I mean, I'm you know, 
because I, I know what my dog's going to do. I know my dog's going to be just right there, right there at the door, just, just wiggling back and forth and just can't wait, can't wait to attack me. You know, but the beauty of, of kids, especially the smaller that they are, is how they, they attack you, you know, in love. And, and sure enough, Zoe, you know, she comes and, and man, Daddy! She comes, she runs, and, and she's just the littlest thing, but she almost took my knee out, you know? And, and when she gets, and I lift her up, and I hug her, and she almost squeezes the breath out of me. She doesn't, she doesn't just squeeze with her arms, but she wraps her neck around my neck and squeezes with her neck, and she's got these monkey legs that she wraps around my, my back and squeezes my abdomen to where I'm like almost out of breath, and it's the most beautiful thing. You know what she doesn't do? She doesn't come up and just say, Oh, Father, it is so great that you've come back from Macon, Georgia. How was your trip? You know, I'd, if so, I'd say, go to your room and, and go to bed, and we'll talk in the morning, you know. Something's the matter. Did you give her some cough syrup or something, you know? Um, she's, she doesn't do that. She comes to me because I'm not, I'm not, uh, I am general of the house. I am the king of the house. I am all these things. And she reveres me. And we were talking even this weekend of how um, uh, children, they, they respond to discipline differently. You don't discipline your kids the same. If you try that, you'll mess them up. You need to know where they are. And you need to meet them where they are and use what needs, needs to be used for them. Zoe has such a tender heart. If I say something that that challenges her or, or uh, charges her for, for discipline. I mean, she's lost it. I just have to look at her. That's a, you know. So, I mean, she, she does something. She's, she's talking back or, or uh, got a bad attitude. Just went. And, and she just, she'll just all of a sudden, she'll just. <laughs> I mean, she, just, she, starts to, she starts to cry, all right? Because the general, I mean, she knows how to respond to those things. But she comes to me first as daddy. Guys, Jesus wants you to know God is all these other things. He wants you first to come to Him as, as daddy, as dad, as, as a child. Um, it was scandalous. The, the Jews were offended by this. Um, uh, we've talked before, but I'll, I'll say it again. I mean, the Jews, they believed in the transcendence of God, which is, which is that thing is so separate and so different from them and they're right God is transcendent and he's different and he's he's far away and he's far removed you know from his creation he's not a part of his creation he loves his creation but he's not a part of it you know he cares but it was scandalous because it was such intimate imminent talk that he was he was using um i mean when the scribes when they would write the, the, one of the names for God, which we'll get to in just a moment, one of the names for God, which was Yahweh, Yahweh. They would, the scribes, they would stop. They would go, and they would wash their hands. And then they would come back, and they would write those four letters that made their, the name of Yahweh. And then they'd go, and they'd wash their hands again. And then they'd come, and then they'd press on. And those guys, man, they, they, they'd get it going. It's like somebody can just type... A ton of men, but, but boy, they stopped when it came to the name of God. They revered the name of God. In fact, they would even write it one way, but pronounce it another. They jumped through all these hoops 
to try to proclaim the greatness and the name of their God. Because they, they revered Him. And, and so they, uh, they just didn't understand with this God that's so different and holy and transcendent that, that you just, oh, you just oh, sometimes you didn't even say His name. And, and Jesus is like, call him daddy. It's like, oh, it's just not allowed. Some of you may have been in, in a church where if you, if you got up and, and, uh, and prayed and if you just said, hey, dad, thanks for being here today. And if you kind of, kind of went on like that, they'd, they'd probably pull you, may pull you aside and say, you're being very disrespectful. So well, can we go check out and see what Jesus taught us on this? Let's go further. Our Father in heaven. So we've got the hour. Solidarity. It's not just me. I'm not a lone ranger. I'm in this together with, with people. And, and, and again, praying this together with people. Um, what, what, I, what I want you to do, your homework this week, is, is at least as much as we cover today is for you to both pray as much as we've covered to Jesus alone, and pray as much as we've covered, at least with at least with one other person, hopefully a group of people, where you can actually say the hour and do that together. Um, so our Father who's in heaven, so it starts it that He's our He's our Dad, you know, he, but He's also the Creator and the the ruler of the universe. Uh, we begin by proclaiming His closeness, but then we need to proclaim His greatness. We need to proclaim His transcendence. We need to proclaim that, that God, the, God the Father, and, and, and Jesus, Jesus now, I mean, the, the Father has actually given up, given up the throne um, to His Son. He, he's declared His Son as King, even though King Jesus continues to defer to His Father. But just, just think of it as God the Father. He's on the throne He's, like we said before, He's not one with creation. He is sovereign. He is ruling. He's not busy. He's not asleep. Um, have you ever said this or had heard someone say, I, you, know, I, I, you know, I don't want to bother God with, with my little piddly stuff. He's got enough things to worry about. Enough things to deal with. You know, that's, that actually sounds humble. But you know what it is? It's really pretty arrogant. And it's a very low view of sovereignty. As if God is so busy, He can't get it all quite finished. If you've ever been a person where you're just like, oh, I don't want to bother God, you need to confess your arrogance. You need to confess you have a low view of the bigness and the goodness of God. And you need to, and you need to say, God is so big that I need to pour it on. I need to pour it on him because he will he'll never get overloaded. We're gonna get more. I mean, this section is important to us. We'll get more into the sovereignty of God and the kingdom of God next week with that next that next phrase. Um, I'm excited about that to just really unpack what is you know what is the kingdom of God and what's the will of God and what is sovereignty. You know, um, sovereignty is is something that it's important for you to wrestle with. Uh, it's very important to get to a place that you see the God of the Bible as He reveals Himself as 
in the Bible that no matter whatever happens on this earth, He's still in charge. He's still ruling. He's not falling asleep. There's some things, there's some things that then can, you know, you wrestle with then. It's like, well, wow, okay, then why this? And why does this happen? And, and uh, wow, Haiti and I mean, like what, 200,000 people killed is the estimate. You know, stuff like that. It's like, well, why, you know, why would things like that happen? It's important to wrestle through those things. It's also important to know that as you wrestle through those things in submission to the sovereignty of God, that you understand that if you have anything less than a sovereign God, you have a very little God and a very weak God. And that's not the God of the Bible. And honestly, it's not a God that you want to give your life to. So we'll get into that more. But let's talk about hallowed be your name. Um, Glorious be your name. Um, hallowed, you know, I mean, that's just not a word that, that we use much in our vernacular now. Um, and I, and I, I kind of like that. Um, I, I was challenged, uh, some of us, about a year or so ago, we went to a, a worship conference in Louisville. And um, one of the challenges from that, from that guy was like, we need to pull back on some of the, u- some of the uses that we have of, of words how we're using some words out and we're using them improperly. And, and uh, you know, you certainly can take the word awesome, you know. And, uh, and I mean, that, that word's kind of become passe. But just you, you'll probably remember just a few years ago, it's like, man, everything was awesome. and Awesome this and awesome that. And man, awesome donut, you know. Yeah, nice choice of words for a donut, right? Uh, unless, unless it's when they're hot at Krispy Kreme. But he challenged us. He even challenged us. Um, Harold Best is the guy's name. He even challenged us to um, to not even use the word great that much, but to but to allow the word good. Good has kind of just become almost average. Good's not average. Good is good is good. You know, he's just like let's bring that up and let's allow great to be even higher and to wear awesome. There, it's he, he was just challenged like certainly God's so good that maybe there's some words that we keep just for Him. It's like we don't allow them to match anything else in, 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 in what we're describing so that, we don't, so that we don't say the same thing the same thing about God as we do a date we were just on. It's, it's not. It's not even close. And so God wants us to, He wants us to revere Him. He wants us to revere His name. Ezekiel 36, 22 and 23 says this, Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It's not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. He, he's calling them out. And He's calling us out to be able to say, and, and I'm not just talking about using the Lord's name in vain, which that's bad in of itself. But really that, that we're so flippant about God and the things of God. And God's like, no, no, no. Let's, let's put things in their proper place 
Let's put me in my proper place. And, and what's beautiful is he's calling them out, but he's also saying, but you know what, though? Even though you're, you're a bunch of noobs, I am going to work through you. And I will show my greatness through you. I, I love that because I'm an idiot. Because I'm one that I profane his name and I, 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 don't, I don't treat him as holy as he should. And he's, and he's just like looking at me and just saying, Dave, <laughs> it's a good thing I love you unconditionally. And let me just want to remind you, Dave, I'm going to change you and I'm going to work in you and I'm going to grow you to where great glory comes in and through you. Um, what, if, what if someone um, told you... Uh, about their best friend. They just mentioned that they had a best friend. And you're like, oh, wow, cool. Well, who, who's, your, who's your best friend? Well, I, I, don't, know their, I don't know his name. <laughs> don't know his, don't know his name. What, what, are you, what are you talking about? So I, don't, yeah, I don't know his name, but he, he drops off pizza every day. Every day in a, in a six-pack of Mellow Yellow. Every day to my house. <laughs> my best friend. You know? Um, I mean, what do you think? You're like, you don't, you don't know him. You don't know him. Um, you're experiencing provision from that person, but you have no knowledge about him, much less a relationship with him. And I believe God wants to speak that in some of our lives. He wants us to know that we got this best friend that does this stuff for us. But we don't really know Him. Uh, I want to give good time to the names of God, and uh, I don't want to blow it on in seven minutes. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll come to the names of God next week. Uh, again, these are anchor points that are in, important for us. Uh, so my challenge would be that you'd wrestle. You'd wrestle with the hour. That you'd wrestle with the hour. Our father or our, our daddy. That you would wrestle with the, our father who's in heaven. And that you'd even just start thinking through hallowed be your name. Hallowed, that's one of those weird words that's not used all that much. It's like highly, highly revered, highly respected. And that you would be very honest with yourself about how much you know about Jesus and how much you know, how much you know Jesus. Do you, do you know Him? Do you really know Him? Do you know His character? Have you seen how in his character what it looks like when that gets poured out around you or, or in you? Or are you just a stalker?